might have heard that the Talica boys were gonna play some heavy shit tonight. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck, and this is another edition of Metal Tales from the Road. And uh, we are talking about the Metallica show that just happened in Las Vegas. They just picked up the next leg of the tour. This is uh, this was on the other night, November 26th. And uh, yeah, I'm on the phone right now via Skype, and in, in, I think you're in Texas with uh, Nick Garzellini. How you doing, Nick? I am awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Um, trying to keep warm here in Nashville. It's uh, It's in the 30s currently, so it's a little chilly. Oh wow! Where are you, where are you at in Texas? Uh, I'm in Southwest Fort Worth. Oh, okay, cool, very cool. I, yeah, I, man, I, I have been through the Dallas Fort Worth area uh, dozens and dozens of times on tour, and uh, I used to not love it. I'll be honest, but that uh, Dallas and Fort Worth have have changed so much, and I I ended up really falling in love with that city. Yes, it has. I went to college here about 15 years ago, and then about six months ago, my wife and I. Left Phoenix, Arizona, and packed a U-Haul and moved out here. Oh, that's awesome, man! So Phoenix, okay, yeah, you uh, you were in some serious heat out there. <laughs> hey, yes, we were. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Texas gets hot, obviously, but Phoenix is another beast. That's just, uh, it's. I, I spent a lot of time in Phoenix as a kid growing up. Cause I had a lot of extended family there, um, and it was uh, yeah, we'd always drive out there from California, and, and it's it's a different kind of hot, man. But um, well, that's cool. Yes, you're, it is. You're, it's you're, a uh, Go ahead. It's a dry heat, as they say. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about you, man. Um, with everybody on the sh- on the Metal Tales from the Road series, I'm sure you've listened to them all, and yeah. we kind of get your your Metallica back. You're coming online stories, we like to call it. So, what when was it uh, in your life that you discovered this band and realized this was something special for you? Uh, I was younger. Um, 10, 11, 12 years old, something like that. Uh, my next door neighbor's brother had a cassette. Um, I believe it was Master of Puppets. And okay. he kind of, he turned me on to it and I fell in love with it. It was something different than um, the music I knew was what people, I guess, today call uh, that 80s uh, hair metal or whatever. Yeah, glam rock or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I grew up on. But Metallica was something different, um, and I knew that was something special. Uh, but it really wasn't until the first time I saw them when I really um, fell in love with them. And when, and when was that? Uh, March 11th, 1988, on the Damage Justice Tour. Wow, that's so cool. And how, how old are you now, currently? Uh, I just turned 40 this year. Oh, wow. Okay, so we're the same age. I just turned 40 last month. Happy belated birthday! Hey, and you as well. You as well. Um, well, that's Thanks, so sir. that's so cool, man. So, like, yeah, I, I had a, a I've talked about it on the show before. You know, I, I discovered Metallica kind of in around '88 during Justice, but I, I was just too young. I think my parents were a little freaked out by heavy metal, and you know, like glam glam rock was kind of safe because it was fun and, and kind of a kind of party music, but. Yeah, I didn't even bother asking to go to a tour like that. I didn't even know that was a thing, though, back then. So you got to see the Damage Justice Tour. I mean, was that 
as someone who was at the time around 11, 12 years old, was that just like mind blowing to see this live? It, it really was. Um, and I, and honestly, my parents didn't know either. Um, I kind of lied to them and said that I was going, uh, to stay at a friend's. There you and, go. There uh, it is. I kind of did stay, uh, after the concert, but yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, uh, eye opening. Um, I was not anywhere close to the stage. Uh, I was up in the cheap seats, but I was still in the arena and it definitely, uh, that's when it first happened for me. That's when it all kind of, the pieces started getting put together. Yeah. So it clicked there. And, and really at that age, I mean, anyone that's been to an arena show knows that when you're that young or, or maybe it's your first arena show ever, it doesn't matter where you're sitting. It's all this new experience. You know, my, my thinking back, my first arena show I ever saw was rush in, I think 94. Oh, and, wow. and, uh, I think Camelbox was opening and, um, it was one of those experiences, though, that, I mean, I was up in the cheap seats like you were for for this tour, and it was like, I couldn't believe what was going on, like the whole production of the show and lights and all this stuff. It was just all so new, and, you know, I never thought I'd, you know, you know years and years later be doing that for a living and working those shows or playing those kinds of shows, but that's really cool. Was there anything about that show that you, that you can remember that stands out, like certain parts of the set or certain songs that maybe uh, just blew you away, or was it just the whole thing in general? Nothing specific. It was just the whole thing in general. Um, I, I, honestly, it was very new to me going to a concert. That was uh, one of my first shows I'd ever been to. Sure. Um, so just the experience as a whole was brand new to me. Um, and then when I um, went home and bought the And Justice for All cassette for myself and listened to it, I'm like, wow, these guys are not only good in concert, they're really good um, from the studio on um, an LP. Yeah, absolutely, man. And when, you know, oftentimes we do find out when we go to shows that, you know, of course, you know, you could, there's so much trickery and so much magic that you can make happen in the studio. Even, even back in the day of tape before Pro Tools and stuff, you could still really kind of doctor things up, you know, and sometimes we'll find out if bands can really cut it live. And I think we all know watching, I mean, that era of Metallica on the, you know, Damage Justice tour, like the Seattle 89 video. I mean, those dudes were at a, a, a peak of their musicianship at that point. Yep, I agree. Yeah, man. So, um, so like, what are, what are some uh, other standout, or let me ask you this, actually, how many times have you seen Metallica? Uh, Monday night in Las Vegas was number 74 for me. 74? Yes, sir. Wow, man. Gosh, I feel I feel like a, a little tiny speck of dust on the on the Metallica well, I, planet. <laughs> don't feel that way cuz trust me, I've got some friends who are well over 100. Um uh one of mine just celebrated uh 157, I believe. Wow. And another another friend of mine from New England, uh, he came in for Vegas. I believe he's 174, 175, something like man, that. Man, that's amazing. I mean, you know, it's one of those things for as long as I've been into Metallica. I mean, I've only, I've only seen three shows so far. I didn't even get a chance to see them until the death magnetic tour. Um, and so, you know, I'm almost kicking myself as a 40 year old now that I didn't try to go see them more when I was like a teenager and stuff like that. But yeah, it's weird. I mean, obviously it's never too late to go see the boys play. Um, but it's interesting meeting people like yourself that have seen, have seen Metallica, so many so many times and i think it just speaks to the power of the band and to their live show and their music and how fan friendly they are that you know people keep going back and back 
to see him, like you said, up to 170 something times. Yep. Yep. I completely agree. So are you, are you kind of immersed in like the culture, the Metallica culture of like, you know, being on the forums, meeting other Met Club members and meeting up at shows? Um, from time to time, I find my group of friends I have are friends I made um, prior to um, the heavy touring. So I've got some friends. Um, uh, one example is a, a couple from Sweden, um, Eric and Paula. Uh, I've been friends with Eric for 10, 15 years now. Wow. Okay. When he first, when he first started coming to the United States for shows, um, I, I just met him at a show and we've been friends ever since. And, um, I, I mean, I know a lot of the, the touring family. Um, I'm good friends with Sarah and Pete, which, you know, Oh, they're great. We love Sarah and Pete. Oh yeah. I, I, I love spending time with them. Um, but yeah, I find myself, I mean, I do have friends on the forum, but I'm not really on the forum that often. Right. Yeah. It's just a, it's somewhat of a different atmosphere from um, uh, the friends I made. I kind of made them outside the forum. I just made them uh, old school way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. But you're, but, but you're still, uh, you know, going to shows and meeting up with other fans that you met through basically the band or, you know, through the love of Metallica. Absolutely. That's so cool. So, um, so like for the Vegas show, did you, uh, like our friend, do you, uh, do you know Chris Yurgis? Uh, I do not, but I, that name does ring a bell. Okay. You, you, you may have met him out there. I know he, I know he was hanging with, with Sarah and Pete and stuff, but, uh, so did you meet up with Sarah and Pete at the Vegas show? Um, no, I did not. Uh, I did not see him at this one. It's weird. Sometimes I see people and talk to them. Um, and then I don't see him or talk to him for a while, but I know Sarah and Pete are doing a bunch of shows and I know they were there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, I think they're actually coming down to the Nashville show and coming to our, to our, uh, our Metallica slash two year anniversary party as well. I, I'm on, I'm on that maybe list. All right. um, it's going to, uh, it's going to be wild. <laughs> I know it is. It's on my itinerary. Um, my only fear is I've got, um, I'm taking off the Friday and Monday prior uh, to see, uh, the boys in Tulsa and little rock. And okay. since Nashville is a Thursday, um, if I can swing it with work, I'll definitely be there. Sure. Yeah. Well, you, you might run into Clint and uh, Paul Moak in, at Little Rock. I think they're, they're not, it's not for sure, but I think they're discussing the two of them going to that show and I, I can't make it to that one. But, um, so there's a chance Clint and Paul Moak will be at Little Rock. Excellent. I will have to try to meet up with them. For sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, as you listen to the show each week. If for some reason there's another random show that any of us go to, we'll definitely announce it on the show. So if any listeners are at those show, we could meet up and hang out and have a beer together. Oh, for sure. I owe you guys. What, I'm sorry, you cut off for a second. What'd you say? I owe both of you guys a beer. <laughs> well, then you're going to get two in return. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. So, man, before we get into this this Vegas show, uh, I, I'm curious. So, what is your fa- favorite Metallica record? Do you have a a definite like all time favorite record or does it change as the time goes on? Um, I would have to say it's a tie between and justice for all and, uh, garage days. Um, really garage I, days. That's not often said on the know, show. I like, um, the covers that were done on it. And I just, I, I like the production of it. It was kind of pre justice production, Yeah, but in the same 
uh, same si- sound and style. Yeah, and it's, it's it is very raw and 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 just kind of punk rock in your face, especially coming yep. off of uh, how produced and great sounding uh, Puppets was. Uh, not that Garages doesn't sound great; it sounds awesome. It's just a whole different sound. Yep, I agree. Plus, it's the it plus it's Jason. The first time we hear Jason playing with the boys. Yep, and that alone brought a different style, I thought, anyway, to the band. Oh, absolutely, and that and that's that's when I often describe that as kind of like a, a punk rock sound because Jason, you know, very different player than Cliff. You know, he plays with a pick, Cliff plays with his fingers, and Jason with a pick would play his bass so hard. So you know, when you hear certain bass lines on Garage Days, it's like it just sounds to me, yeah, like you can hear their punk rock influence and and all sorts of influences there. But um, so what would you say? Uh, and this is always a rotating thing for me. Uh, do you have a current favorite Metallica song? Um. Uh, I would I would agree with you. It's uh, it's hard to choose one, and it definitely rotates. Um, it really depends on what I'm listening to in the mood. Right. Um, I, honestly, I like one from the new album right now, just because I like its style live. I love uh, now that we're dead. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll definitely get into that in the show. I have some questions on that song, but yeah, okay, okay. that's interesting because that's not necessarily one from Hardwired that a lot of people might choose as their favorite. It's usually you know like Hardwired, Atlas, uh, Moth in a Flame, Spit Out the Bone. You know, kind of some of the bangers. But um, that's that's a that's an interesting choice, man. What is it about that song that that you think that uh, resonates with you? I I like the groove of it. Um, when, when we talk about it with the live show, um, the intro I like it's classic James. It's classic Metallica, and Lars starts out with an excellent groove that it just you can't help but smile. It almost dance a little. Yeah, there, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it, it ha- it's that right tempo that it kind of makes you want to move a little bit. Yep. That's cool. We'll, we'll talk more about that song when we get into the set list and stuff. But um, uh, let's, okay. So let's let's uh, let's get into your your journey to Vegas. Um, what was it about the Las Vegas show that made you want to go to that that particular show uh, as opposed to anything closer to you? Well, um, it came down. Uh, I knew I was always going to do the Las Vegas show. Las Vegas shows are always fun. Um, it actually came down to the uh, ticket purchase. Okay. Uh, when the con- when the concert tickets went on sale, um, I was either going to buy one ticket for Lubbock and one ticket for Las Vegas, or if I could get my hands on the black ticket, I was going to get that. Oh yeah. And luckily, I did get the black ticket, so definitely Las Vegas was on my itinerary from day one. Oh, so you, so you're a black ticket holder? Yes, sir, I am. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, so I know Sarah and Peter are as well, and a, a few of our other listeners have written in or we've talked to that are black ticket holders, but. That's yep, pretty cool. So you could, if if you can swing it and get off work, you can go to whatever show you want. Yep, exactly. Man, that's so cool. What a cool piece of uh, of Metallica. It's not really. I wouldn't call it merch, but just a cool piece of. One day will be a cool piece of history to have. You know. Yep, because we got in on the ground floor, if you will, of that. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's such a cool idea for 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 Metallica to offer something like that to their fans, where. It's like, yeah, obviously it's a lot more expensive, but it's like, man, you can come to whatever show you want. Yep, exactly. That's great, man. That's so cool. So um, so let's maybe get into like, you know, you get to Vegas, uh, obviously you, uh, you flew there. Um, it'd be quite quite the drive mm-hmm. from from the Dallas area. Um, yeah. Uh, so you fly to Vegas, uh, you're staying at a hotel probably or Airbnb or something. Um, did you partake in the, uh, the pre-party the night before? Actually, I did not. Um, 
I had I've seen Damage Inc. Uh, play a couple of times. I saw them most recently in 2015 before the Rock and Rio show in Las Vegas. Cool. And um, those guys are definitely unbelievable. Um, oh, as close to the real thing as you can get without being the real thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but I had my mind set on getting the rail and getting there early and staying out all night the night before was, uh, not really what I wanted to do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You didn't want, didn't want to risk waking up late for the, for the show. <laughs> That's right, man. I, I, uh, speaking of uh, damage ink, that the cover band, um, I've never met any of those dudes or anything like that. I know they're based in California, but, um, yeah, I, I, I've been watching some live videos of them at different gigs and stuff, and they're, man, they are so good. And, uh, it, it's scary how good they are. Yeah, totally. And, um, I didn't, I wasn't aware that they, I knew there would, you know, be, there's always a pre party in every city, but I don't, I didn't realize that there was going to be a pre party with those guys playing. <clears throat> and our friend Chris Yerges, who I was mentioning earlier, he was texting me and Clint, um, and he, from the party and texting us photos from the show and, 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 you know, meeting Ray Burton and stuff like that. But, he sent us a picture. He like took notes of the set list that Damage Inc. played, and it was like 28 songs, and they ended up playing all of Injustice for All. <laughs> yeah, I believe they played three or three and a half hours. And also they did, um, I know they did this in 2015 also, um, they pl- jammed some songs with uh, fan club members, which I really, I-, I love that idea. Oh, that's cool, man. That's really cool. Yeah, I wish those dudes lived closer and they can play play our party. Um. Well... You never know. They may take a drive out. All you have to do is ask them. That's true. It is. It'd be quite the drive from from Southern California to Nashville. I would imagine. I would imagine about twenty four hundred miles. I think. But um. Oh wow. Well, that's cool. So so since you didn't go to that, let's talk about you know the day of the show. Like, uh, did you go down early and uh, did you meet up with anybody or were you just kind of on your own the whole time? Um, my roommate went, um, and I had good friends also. Uh, one of them celebrating his fiftieth uh, birthday. So awesome. I kind of, I hung out with them uh, most of the weekend, and then uh, but Monday was uh, Metallica day, for sure. Right. Okay. So did you did you do anything before you got to the arena? Uh, did they have any kind of pop up store happening around town or? Uh, no pop up stores. I don't believe they're doing any on this tour. They did those um, on the stadium run. Yeah, I remember uh, that. Last year. But they don't. They're not doing any pop ups right. this time okay. around. Well, if they change their mind, they can do a pop-up store in my driveway. I would gladly host them. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, it would be awesome. Yeah, um, and my neighbors would love it too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so you just you know you're hanging out in Vegas. So what? So what about about, about what time did you get down to the arena to, to secure your rail spot? Uh, I was in line at six thirty in the morning. Whoa. Okay. So yeah, it makes a lot more sense that you didn't go to the uh, the, the Damage Inc. Yeah. show the night before. Yep. So and, and I'll tell. I'll tell you what, I don't mean to interrupt you, sure, but go ahead. Uh, ironically, that's not the earliest I've ever been in line, so 6.30 was nothing for me. Okay, that's cool. Uh, could you maybe give us a rough estimate of maybe how many other people were there that early? Um, there was one other person. Oh, that's it? There, there Really? Wow. I thought there would at least be a couple dozen people camped out ready to go. Uh, not till about 8 o'clock or so is when a few other people started to... Uh, um, come over it was a little difficult because in light of all the stuff that happened in vegas a couple years ago right uh, venue security wasn't exactly keen on us uh queuing up so early uh okay they were kind of uh need to get off the property that type of thing 
Oh, wow. Um, Interesting. So did you have to go somewhere else for yeah. a while? Well, they kind of chased us off, but we kind of walked over. Uh, there's a huge uh, Christmas tree on display in front of the venue. Okay. So we just kind of stood in front of that and took pictures and that way it wasn't looking like we were lining up, but we were still kind of lining up. Just big fans of Christmas. <laughs> yes, exactly right. We're just uh, we're just a couple a uh, couple of fellows just you know in Metallica shirts. We just it's coincidence coincidence it's a coincidence, and we just love Christmas. We do a Christmas tree tour of Vegas every year. That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. So what 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 time about did you or were you able to kind of get back you know towards the entrance where they weren't going to kind of run you off? Um, well, uh, it was the second or third time the venue security came out. We let him know, Hey, listen, um, we do have VIP tickets. We do have early entry. Um, they haven't, uh, set up yet or let us know where we're going to set up. Um, so about the time that the, uh, people running, um, the early entry, uh, set up, is about the time everyone started queuing up. Okay. So I'd say uh, between 10 and noon, uh, sometime in there, we started uh, the official line, if you will. Okay. So by, by about that time, were there, uh, I'm assuming there were a lot more people ready to, ready to get in line? Oh, yeah. We were up to somewhere around 40 or 50 people, I think. So you were still happy with the fact that you got there at 630, though? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So were you still first in line to get in or pretty close? Uh, yeah, I was second. And, um, the, the thing with that is it's, I always stay in line. Um, I mean, you have to run away to use the facilities or whatever the case may be. Right. Um, but for the most part, um, people in the front of the line do that as well. And we kind of watch out for each other and watch our spots. Sure. Yeah. That's great. It's not really an issue with the, I don't make it a habit of coming and going 20 times. Right, but I mean, it, it. You know, from from everything I've learned, you know, since doing this podcast and, and meeting a lot of the, the Metallica fan community, is that everyone looks out for one another and 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 helps each yep. other out. And you know, if you're in line for that many hours and you got to take a leak, it's like you know, the person behind you, you know, unless they're a total asshole. From what I, from my experience, like they're going to help you out. You know, they're going to look out for you. And we've experienced that oh. just with people doing us favors or sending us stuff or. Uh, when we did our Detroit show, like people coming up and, you know, just giving, you know, buying us drinks, anything, you know, it's like, it's like a family. Oh, oh yeah. And, and for the most part, people lining up that early, we all kind of know who we are if we're not friends already. So it's, I mean, there's never any of that kind of tension anyway. Right. That's great, man. That's so cool. So, uh, so do- doors open. Do you even go look at merch or anything, or do you wait to do that after, after the show? Um, actually, uh, on this tour, they do have a merch. Um, it's normally a small merch table, um, outside the venue. Oh, nice. Um, but the only, and they they sell, uh, the generic tour shirts and the poster, but normally the city specific shirts are held for inside the venue. Right. Yeah. Um, but in here with it being Vegas and, um, they just, it's all about that mighty dollar there in Vegas nowadays. Um, they had a huge tent set up, and I went ahead and bought my merch prior to going in, which was perfect because I could run it back to my hotel room real quick. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. So what did you pick, okay. what did you pick up uh, at that merch table outside? Um, since I've already seen this tour uh, in a few cities, I've gotten my 
tour shirts with all the cities on them. Right. But I wanted the city-specific um, shirt that's got the uh, Las Vegas Knights hockey team logo on it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I haven't seen a picture of that yet. That's really cool. I love it. Yeah, the city-specific stuff is awesome. They're doing that every show. I mean, obviously, they're doing it with the guitar picks, and they throw them out in the crowd. You know, I got a I got a Philly shirt when I went to that show. Um, I didn't get a D- Detroit one when we went to that show, but um, definitely plan on on grabbing a Nashville one since that's where I, that's where I, I live. And um, so you got your merch. You take it back to the hotel room. Doors open. You just go straight to the rail. Um. Well, since I've got a black ticket, I get in with the uh, Unforgiven uh, experiences also. Oh right, early and entry. they they. Yeah, they actually take the whiplash, which is earlier than us. They allowed them entry first, and they took them upstairs. And then they had us queued up right behind uh, curtains through the main tunnel to get on the floor. And uh, the head of um, CID Entertainment, who's doing the VIP packages, said, as soon as I give you the word, um, you guys can go. And as soon as whiplash was on the floor and they got their spots, he moved the curtain. He's like go at it guys so we all ran like crazy and got in there and got our spots awesome man so you so you got a spot right on the rail yep i was on uh rob's side which was a first for me on this tour right in the corner right in front of a microphone oh very cool man so uh and we'll get into the, like you know the position of the guys you know i know obviously james will rotate around and sing in different mics all over the stage um but uh before we get into that let's let, let's let's discuss uh no opening band on, on this on this the arena, sorry the arena tour. We got Jim Brewer, who's kind of an MC. Obviously, he's a comedian. He's a huge Metallica fan. He's friends with the boys. He's like a hype man before the band comes out. What what did, what did you think about uh, Jim's set? I, I think you've seen it before, but how, how was he uh, in Vegas? Um, I have seen him before. Um, I saw a couple of the Fillmore shows back in 2011, I believe it was. Wait, the 30th Where anniversary he- shows. Yes, sir. Oh, my gosh. We're going to have to have you back on the show to talk about those. Oh, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'd seen him open those shows, do the MC, and he was just spot on with his um, Lars and his James impressions. And <laughs> yep. he just had everyone in stitches. And I knew he was going to do uh, do great uh, for this. Um, when I had gone and done um, Philadelphia, uh, Buffalo and Albany back in October. Okay, and cool. The, the first night I saw him, he was um, funny, and um, the the whole. Now that he's got it refined, what he does, um, it's kind of the same every night, except sure. Vegas, and which is fine with me because, from a logical standpoint, if Metallica had an opening band, they'd be playing the same set list every night so right exactly it's kind of the same i mean i i'm kind of looking forward to this because i mean i don't know that i've ever been to a show and had a comedian opening and run around the arena uh, doing fan interaction stuff metallica trivia things like that and i know i know at the show the other night you got to see uh where um he does that whole bit where he finds the youngest metallica fan and then the oldest and the oldest that night happened yep. to be ray burton Yes, it did. And I uh, actually, uh, Ray was on the other side of the stage from me out in the crowd. And some of my friends that were on that side of the stage texted me and said that Ray was there. So I had no doubt in my mind that Jim was going to find him when he went, uh, when he went down that road. That's cool, man. 
Um, yeah, we we got it. Uh, uh, Chris Yurgis again. He uh, he sent us a video. He he took video like of the video screens of Jim Brewer finding Ray Burton and doing a quick yep. little talk with him and giving him a hug. It was really cool. And and we knew Ray was going to be there. We had, you know a few friends had, had texted us about it. But um, I mean, what a cool thing for all those fans in Vegas to see. I mean, Ray has been a staple in Metallica history. You know, um, ever since Cliff passed away and has been a crucial part of keeping Cliff's legacy alive. And he is a part of the Metallica family. So what a treat for all, all these fans in Vegas to, to see Ray Burton, not only at the show, but like in the crowd, like mingling, you know? Oh yeah. And, and I've met him a couple of times and I agree. He was, he's completely down to earth and just super friendly. And he, he has all these awesome stories to tell about his son and the boys as he calls them. Cause to, to him, the Metallica boys are they're boys. You <laughs> they're, know? Still, they're still kids to him. <laughs> but I was actually surprised. There were a few other um, special guests in the crowd, also that I've seen pictures of. And yeah, I saw um, that uh, Corey Taylor was there, and then um, yeah, yep. uh, I'm blanking on the girl's name that that was. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, she was in in crap. What video was it? <laughs> I'm I'm a bad host right now. This is off the uh, top of my head. Uh, um, I gotta look at, at our friend Chris's text real quick, uh, real quick, um, no uh, because the, it was cool that he was telling us who was there and stuff like that. Um, come yeah, I know, I know Corey was there. Oh, G- um, Ginger Lynn, her name was. Yeah, she's in the turn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the turn yeah. the page video. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I did see someone took a picture with her. Um, and what's and crazy also, is well, that Chris told us that it was Ginger's first time seeing Metallica. Oh wow! Isn't that crazy? She picked a good show. She picked a good show. Yeah, I mean, it's insane that she was in. She was like the star of their turn the page video, and she finally sees Metallica like twenty years later. Better late than never. Hey, that's exactly. I, I'm I'm with you on that one. Um, so J- Jim Brewer does his thing. It's fun. He 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 points out Ray Burton in the crowd. Goes down and sees him. Um, did he do kind of his Metallica trivia thing and bring fans on stage? Actually, no, not at this show. Um, the trivia was left out, so it was. Um, we had something else, a special uh, little something. A couple got married on stage. Oh wow, that's really cool. I didn't, I didn't even hear about that. Jim, uh, a friend of mine um, kind of made contact with Jim and his manager um, Valerie from uh, uh, Montreal, I believe. Yeah, and she kind of helped facilitate everything. And Jim got went online and got ordained, and <laughs> they brought the couple up, and um, and it, it was a nice little change from his normal routine. Oh, that's very cool, and it, and it's very Las Vegas too. Yes, it is, and actually, um, just I want to say a couple of songs into um, Joe Sib, who the DJ is with uh, Jim Brewer. Yeah, uh, a couple of songs into his set. Uh, a friend of mine uh, from the Midwest actually proposed to his girlfriend uh, right there. So it was kind of cool. Also. Oh, that's cool, man. So many, so much love happening during Jim Brewer's set before the boys play. We got a, we had a marriage, we had a proposal. I wonder, that's if, right. I wonder if anybody, uh, you know, did the deed and made a baby that night. <laughs> well, I'm sure there was, you never I know. Mean, hey, there was, I, read a, about, <laughs> there was a, I heard about the machine head. That's show. right. Yeah. Somebody was trying to make a baby at the machine head show. <laughs> that's right. Um, well, cool. Well, man, let's, let's go ahead and just, uh, let's jump into the, into the set list. What do you say? All right, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, 
I, I, I talk about this with everyone I've you know had on, on the Metal Tales episodes. It never gets so everyone knows when ACDC hits, it's something's about the show's about to happen. So when that yeah. ha- happens, every, if you're a diehard, you know that you know long way to the top when you want to rock and roll happens. It's 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 coming soon. Boys are coming out soon. So, yep, we're singing and dancing along. Yep, Ecstasy of Gold happens. This is what do you say? Was your seventy fourth show? You said. Yep, seventy four. So it's your seventy fourth time seeing Metallica come out to Ecstasy of Gold. You still get the chills. You still get excited. Yes, I do. Yes, I do for sure. As I would too, I'd imagine. Um, I mean, it's perfect. I mean, they, they they've they've made that their own. It's 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 basically their song now, and everyone knows yep. it. Um, yep. The first two tra- the first two songs in the set, uh, hardwired into Atlas Rise. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a great one-two banger right out of the gate. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, hardwired for sure. Um, even though it's a newer song, it's a relatively easy song and short song, and most people know the words to it by now. Oh yeah. Um, it's very uh, hardwired and Atlas is very similar to the starters on the Death Magnetic Tour. Uh, one two punch of new songs really gets the crowd going good. Absolutely, and I mean it's it's, it's a bit of a staple on all, almost all their records. Are the first two tracks, you know, Battery into Puppets and yep. Fight, Fight Fire into Lightning. Um, always, you know, a great one two punch on on most of the records. But uh, to me, yeah, this translates live so well from the Hardwired record. And I, I do love that they've done it the entire album cycle. Yep. That's great. So um, the third slot is has become kind of where Seek and Destroy has lived, this, this arena tour. Yeah, and, and I like it there because I saw um, the Death Magnetic tour so many times. And having always had Seek and Destroy at the very end, it's nice to uh, mix it up and have it closer to the front. Yeah, absolutely and 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 on the stadium tour they had it towards the end as well so it, it's nice that they yep. kind of threw it back up in the top of the set um yep and that's always a crowd pleaser you know doing the oh 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 kind of part at the end and you know yep. good crowd participation um and then number four here <clears throat> excuse me uh harvester of sorrow were you were you expecting that do you do you do you often like go online and look at all the set list or follow them on I, instagram I, I do. Uh, I follow him on Instagram. I do uh, look out for the set list just to see uh, what the two or four songs that they could be rotating, yeah. uh, what they're throwing in there. Um, actually, I wanted to back up a second and make a comment about Seeking Destroy. Sure, man. Hey, any any song we get to, if there's something you want to you wanna bring up, just blurt it out. Cut me off. <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate that. Um, what I wanted to say about Seeking Destroy is I've noticed, uh, at least myself, going to shows now, um, it's more about just going to the show and singing along. Uh, I'm starting to notice things more. And during the Cubes, um, you'll have to keep an eye out for it in Nashville. But on the Cubes, they have like um, old school ticket stubs on some of the video screens. Oh, I've seen video of this. Yeah, that's great. So it's interesting to see them like 84, 86, 88 ticket stubs. Um, well, I don't know. I don't believe they played Vegas till 86 or 87. Okay. Um, but it's interesting to see some of like the old school venues that probably aren't there anymore and where they played at. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, you know, and Lars often does a thing at the end of the show where they all come up and say something on the mic and Lars usually blurts out something about, you know, the last time they played that city or the, maybe the first time they played that city and mentions the venue 
He did it in Detroit. He did it in Philly, and it's really cool. Oh yeah, he's still doing it now. That's great. <clears throat> yeah, I love that part. I mean, whenever I see like people like walking out of the building during Sandman, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa! You got like a good at least twenty more minutes of like the dudes coming out and talking. So. Um, oh yeah, and what I loved about last year's stadium run was at the very end after it was done, they played like a two and a half minute thank you video, which yeah. I thought was really cool. I love I love those city videos. Those were great. Oh yeah. Um, so moving on to Harvester of Sorrow, one of my favorites from Justice. Uh, were, were you were you expecting this song to happen here, or were you maybe hoping for another? Because it's kind of an old school slot. It's it's changed a little bit. What were you what, were, were you surprised, or were, were you uh, not surprised? I really wasn't too surprised. Um, Har- Harvester is a good slot there. Um, uh, it, it escapes my mind what they've kind of been rotating in there, but Harvester for sure fits in there. And I, I wasn't expecting anything super deep being the first night of another leg of the tour. Yeah, good point. Nobody, they're really super greatest hits. Yeah, they, they seem to do that. Like when they do, when they start a new leg, um, they kind of ease into it again, you know, because they all go home, they yep. take breaks. And especially this one was a bit of a longer break because of, of the holidays and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, yep. I mean, they kind of play it a little safe when they do the first one, two, or three shows. Yep. Was there anything uh, production-wise during Harvester that stood out to you? Um, no, uh, I believe the cubes were, the cubes were going up and down. Uh, when you guys see the show, um, I I did my best to avoid, uh, YouTube videos prior to seeing the show in October. Okay. Um, but the whole show really fits together. Good. Um, there's nothing that no one element that stands out where you're like shaking your head or scratching your head thinking, why did they do this here? It, right. it flows really just from start to finish. It flows really well. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't gone crazy on YouTube watching stuff. I'm, I'm Most of the live footage I see from this tour is just what Metallica posts on Instagram because <clears throat> they do a good job mm-hmm. of like posting full songs on there or clips and, um, you know, warm-up videos and things like that. Um, that's kind of mostly what I watch. it, And it's tough for me uh, as being one of the hosts of this podcast to not dive into so much detail of this tour. Cause I still want to be surprised when I go see them in Birmingham and in Nashville. I think you will be surprised. Um, when I finally saw the show in October, uh, I probably knew a little too much about the flow of it, sure. but still nothing beats actually being there in person and seeing it. Um, of course, you'll yeah. be pleasantly surprised. I yeah, I mean, I can't wait. I mean, I, I I get the general feel of the show, like from what they've posted, and you know, I've got a friend that works on the Metallica crew, and he'll he'll text me pictures here and there from the the tuning room or whatever, and uh, you know, so I, I've gotten to see some cool stuff, but um, I'm still just you know, I want to go into it with somewhat of a, a, a fresh mind and fresh eyes and ears too. I respect that. Um, so moving on, the Unforgiven, a classic. I mean, yep. arguably one of Kirk's best solos. I love the song. Oh. I was, I know that they have done the Unforgiven uh, a three on on this tour, um, because this is a song that's it's obviously one of their biggest songs. But if they didn't have in the set, it would not be a bummer. Um, oh no, I agree with you. And yeah, I was kind of, I believe it was Lincoln, Nebraska. They did Unforgiven three. I could be wrong, right? Uh, um. 
uh, I think Unforgiven was, as you guys would say, playing it safe for this show. Sure. Um, uh, I've seen, well, I've seen all three of them um, at different shows in my career of seeing Metallica. And uh, Unforgiven, it's a good one for Las Vegas. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, you know, going back to the, you know, this is the first show, this next leg. It's like, you know, let's just ease into it. Let's play the songs that we're most comfortable with, you know, because, you know, we as we've seen on this tour, they'll pull out some deep cuts. I mean, they did No Leaf Clover, Unforgiven 3, yep. stuff like that. You know, um, I personally, if, if I could curate the set list, I would love to see Unforgiven 2 or 3 in that slot when I see them because I've seen Unforgiven 3 times already. I'll go one deeper. I'd like to see them throw a Satan Anger song in there. Man, you know what? As as much as we kind of dog that record, I mean, it's definitely grown on us over the, over the course of this podcast. Um, well, you, you know what I found? Um, if you don't listen to something and they don't play for a while, when they bring it back in the set list, it's like new again, and it re-energizes the band. And right, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a breath of fresh air. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind some kind of monster frantic dirty window um you know there's a few songs off sanding i think that would be really cool to see live you know and like you said you know when they pull something kind of out of the you know out of the closet you know it's it's, it's exciting even if it is off saint anger i don't expect we'll hear any lulu songs yep. on this tour but um no, unfortunately not yeah well and then there's also the thing that lou reed is not here anymore so that's not a that's thing true. it's not gonna happen but um no. Uh, so let's get to you. You have some uh, specific thoughts, I know, on the next tune. Now that we're dead, um, let's talk about that one. Uh, this is one of your favorite songs right now, and uh, we can talk about any specifics from this song, uh, the drum circle thing we always call it. How was this song for you? Um, just as I've seen it, I saw it last summer and a, a few times already this year on tour. Um, I, like I said I, earlier, I love the groove of it. Once I see the floorboards open and the drums coming up, I know where we are in the set list. Right. Um, and I just, it starts, uh, I won't say too much about it and ruin it, although I'm sure you guys have probably heard or been told how James intros the song. And then uh, Lars kind of kicks in with the groove. And um, it's just, it, it's a fun little uh, fun little song to dance to. I, I don't know how best to describe it other than that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I always find it interesting uh, every time I've done one of these or I see the set list every night that, you know, a song like this has become one of, one of the hardwired staples on this tour. I thought I, for I, sure it was going to be uh, Halo on Fire. And, and I noticed, I don't believe they played that too much um, on this uh, on this North American tour. I know they played it uh, almost at every stop. Last year on the stadium run. Yeah, correct. And and actually, um, on this tour, uh, and more so the stadium run last year, um, I I can recall hearing an interview or reading one with Kirk, and he said um, when they asked him about the length of the set list and how many new songs versus old songs they were playing, and he said it's definitely going to be uh, uh, new song oriented. And this is the time to come out and see it where later on it may be one or two or three songs, but now they're trying to do like six or seven. Yeah. Um, it, it, finding out what works. It's, it's such a, a cool thing to see that, 
I mean, we all know that, I mean, the hardwired record is unbelievable. And, it, you know, anytime, you know, I, all the bands I've been in and, and everything Clint's done, it's like when you're promoting your new record, you, you kind of make your set list a little new record heavy. And sometimes that doesn't always work if the record isn't that great, but Hardwired obviously is amazing. So it's, oh, yeah. I don't think it bums many people out that there's this many Hardwired songs in the set. No, and it, and they've got it uh, sprinkled, the set list, except for the first two songs, they have them sprinkled in there where it's not any more than one song at a time. Right, yeah. And then um, old, not, I don't want to say old, but it's crowd favorites there uh, um throughout the rest right exactly yeah man i mean they, they do a great job of, of making these set lists every night you know like we said you know every once in a while it's a little more safe uh sometimes there's more deep cuts and something you know something that maybe surprises the crowd but uh no i mean they're doing a great job on it um uh before we move on to creeping death one of clint's favorite songs um what are your thoughts on the now that we're dead whole drum circle thing I like it better now. Last year, um, I felt it went on too long. Okay. Uh, this year, it's definitely a lot shorter, and it doesn't feel as long. Um, but I believe I've heard um, uh, someone on a previous podcast comment about it. Um, you know, if it, it, you can see the smile on James' face when he takes over his solo part. Sure. And if it makes them happy and it keeps them energized and into the show, I'm all about whatever it takes to keep them going. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's, that's a great way to look at it for sure. And, uh, you know, the first, the first, the two times I saw it, I thought it was like, eh, it's okay. It's a little long and stuff like that. But, um, you know, having been on many tours over the last 20 years, it's like there, there are certain things that you sometimes need to do in your set to, to break it up a little bit, to give people a break, to get, give your singer a little bit of a voice rest. Um, Obviously, the drummer needs a little bit of a rest. So, you know, more power to him, man. I mean, it's like these dudes are in their 50s playing heavy metal music and and doing like a two-hour-plus show. So they need a little break doing that, then more power to them. That's right. And they're they're finding a way to make it work, and they're doing something right. Exactly, man. I mean, we're all fortunate to still have them around. Um, All right, so moving on, Creeping Death, uh, obviously a classic. Anything notable from this song, or is it just just a banger front to back? Oh, it's, it's it's completely a banger from front to back. I mean, um, from the, the die chant in the middle of the song, um, the crowd does. Vegas was, and actually Vegas surprised me uh, as a show on the whole, because I've seen the last few Vegas shows, and, and it's hard at a concert in Vegas, you know, because, um, I mean, Vegas is pretty much a 24-7 city, and with all the drinking and late nights, and now that weed is legal there, um, I thought for sure it would be a dead crowd. But actually, Monday was one of the more louder, energetic crowds I've uh, experienced in a while, at oh, least for cool. Vegas. So, I mean, when, when they started into Creeping Death, I, I mean, even your what I call fly-by-night fans know Creeping Death. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those songs that, I mean, even if you – Maybe we're uh, somewhat of a casual Metallica fan. I would imagine you know this song. I mean, they've been playing it for so long, and it's become such a huge, you know, quote-unquote hit for Metallica. Uh, not commercially, obviously, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. It, it's it's almost hard to imagine them not, put it, not having it in their set. Oh, yeah. Uh, I completely agree. 
And it's interesting here. I mean, they, they have been doing the Creeping Death in, in Bells quite a bit on this tour. But this is like a little three-song Ride the Lightning section of the set list right here. Because we go from Whom the Bell, Bell Tolls into Fade to Black. Yep, yep. I just noticed that myself. Um, and that's not something they're doing. They're kind of um, uh, keeping uh, uh, songs on the same album, at least a few songs apart. They're not putting them back to back. So it's right. it's really rare they do three in a row. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, obviously, like for whom the bell tolls, they kill it. You know, Rob sounds great. You know, it's it's such a great live song for them. Um, uh, you know, it's a bit of a short and sweet song. And then, you know, you have the, the triumphant you know, ballad into it, ballad into a banger, fade to black. Um, did the boys sound good on, on these two songs? Oh, for sure. Um, during, uh, not much, uh, I can add to, uh, for whom the bell tolls, another great, uh, song for people to sing to. Um, I was in a great spot for fade to black. Uh, James's, um, guitar tech set up, uh, his acoustic guitar on my side of the stage. Nice. So it was nice to see nice. him do the intro. Because it kind of feels like it's a one-on-one uh, moment, although it's a one-on twenty thousand moment. <laughs> right, but you're right; it does feel like a one-on-one moment. I mean, you, you know, when you're when you're at a show like Metallica, and especially if James is right in front of you, you know, you you kind of tune out what's happening around you, other than what's on stage. Yep, yep, for sure. Man, that's cool. And uh, and fade to black, same thing. So, I mean, were they? You know that to me, this is one of the most like epic sounding Metallica songs of all time. Especially when we we get into the outro, where it gets faster and the double kick and Kirk's great solo going into the end. Um, was it just a good good feeling song that night? Oh yeah, from start to finish, it was um, clean. I I loved it. Fade to Black's always going to be a, a strong memory for me. Um, whenever I hear even a little bit of it, I always remember. Um, what happened to James in Montreal when he got injured? Right. Yeah. And whenever I see it in the set list, or um, I, I know it's there, or I hear the intro, it kind of it, it touches me in a good way, and it's it holds a, a good spot in my heart. That's awesome, man. That's that's great. Um, so before we get to the next song, we, uh, this you know usually this slot is often followed by the Doodles, mm-hmm. and these are always you know kind of. I, I personally, I'd say kind of half and half. Sometimes it's cool. Sometimes it's like, eh, it's okay. But it's another moment in the set where you get, you, you know, you get Lars and James to get a break and, you know, a little voice rest. Um, how was, yep. how was the doodles going into anesthesia? Um, doodles were, were good. Um, I believe they played uh, Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> Elvis. There which you go. Was, Perfect. Uh, <laughs> Rob's uh, vocal abilities are, uh, we'll say it's a work in progress. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not a front man. I mean, he, he only sings backups, you know, th- this is just a fun moment for him and Kirk to kind of goof off in a way and, and kind of, you know, pay a little uh, tribute to somebody from that city or the, or that's well known in that city. Oh yeah, for sure. And, 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 and I've noticed with Rob early on when he first came in the band, you'd be hard pressed to see him near a microphone. Now he's, he has his own little solo with Kirk. So he's, He's definitely stepped his game up. Yeah, definitely. You know, and and I think you know he had some, you know, him and Jason are obviously way different bass players, and you know I, I would never, you know, it feels weird to compare them as bass players because they're so on 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 different planets. But um, yep. in the vocal department, I mean, Rob had some huge shoes to fill from Jason, I and mean, Jason was such a great background vocalist for the band. Yep. Um, I, 
what we touched on earlier about how James, sorry, Jason being a little different from um, Cliff and bringing in kind of a punk style and Jason singing. Now with Rob in the band, it kind of harkens back to Cliff days with the the finger picking and um, kind of a, a groove style. And that's to me, that's what Cliff had in the band. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that it, was his style. I mean, it's it's without question. I mean, I mean, Rob is one of the the best bass players, you know in the modern era i mean god last three plus decades i mean he's he's a monster bass player an insanely good you know talented guy and i've always loved his bass playing even way before he joined metallica back with suicidal tendencies um oh yeah i i was lucky enough to see him with suicidal once upon a time and i'd seen him play with ozzy several times okay when i heard when he when i heard he got the metallica gig I I had a big smile on my face and I said, "This is going to be a keeper. This is yeah. He'll be with them till the till the end." I'm with I'm with you, man. I mean, when when I found out that Rob was a new bass player in Metallica, this is obviously before I any of us saw the some kind of monster documentary. I was just like, "Well, yeah, like that makes perfect sense. Like he's so fucking good. Like of course he's going to be the bass player of Metallica." <laughs> so moving on to uh, we got another old school slot here. Hit the lights. Um, I, I loved it. Um, it's, I believe it's the first song, uh, as a band they ever played. Um, it's old school thrash and it, it's, it sounds as good today as it did. I'm sure back in the eight early eighties before I saw them. Right. But it, it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, they it, need to play it more often. Yeah. I, I think. Totally, yeah, and, and I mean, I love that there's that there's still a couple songs from the first record in their set. You know, I mean, bands a lot of times, you know, either are embarrassed of their first record, or it's just so old, or maybe they can't even do it anymore, like physically and, and vocally. But James, especially, has done a good job of of adapting his voice into something that he can still cover these parts from the early records, and he, where he's not, you know, nineteen years old, is screaming. Oh yeah, and we don't expect that. I mean, one of the reasons they're able to do what they do now is because they they stretch and they've kind of adapted um, a different lifestyle and stage style to be able to continue to do what they do into their uh, mid fifties. Absolutely, man. I mean, I think if you know, you know, James didn't get sober, and and you know, I know that some of the guys still well, drink, you know, drink a little bit, but like. If they were still partying like they did back in the 80s and 90s, I mean, I don't think we'd even have Metallica anymore. Oh, no, for sure. All right, so next, one of my favorite Metallica songs live, Fuel. How is this for you? Oh, oh yeah, I, I, I love it. It's one of my favorites, especially with um, the pyro and the with the fire. Um, I, I always get a kick out of seeing uh, security jump um, when it happens because it's, I mean, it's not a short flame by any means necessary, and when it goes, it's it's a barbecue down there. It's pretty warm. Oh yeah, it's hot. I mean, I even remember at the stadium shows, I was back by front of house by Big Mick, and I can feel it back there. Oh yeah, on the, on the stadium run, I did an indoor show and outdoor show just so that I could see um, the the pyro difference. Right. And yeah, I was about where you were at the soundboard for the stadium show, and it. Even in the middle of the field, when the stage is on the backside, it's still pretty hot. Yeah, and obviously those ones on the on the stadium run, you know, our, our friend Matt Thomas, who we've had on the show, who's it was one of the pyrotechs on the stadium tour, you know, he showed us all that stuff before the show started and where everything was positioned, and 
telling us, you know, how hot it was, all all the details of that stuff. And and I mean, it's insane how hot that is. And I, I can't even imagine when there's when because I know there's 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 fire basically pyro right around Lars. When that stuff comes up, it's like he's like two feet from it. Oh yeah, and then at, at the end, I believe it was for fuel because there's another song towards the end they kind of do a little pyro for but not a whole lot yeah um at the i believe it was during fuel though at the very end when he finishes it there's a long um uh streak of fire and lars kind of like gets up and he almost walks right into it oh man I mean, he's and he knows how far to go but he like gets up and like walks away and you swear he was going to walk right into it. <laughs> Please don't walk into the fire, Lars. <laughs> yeah, we've done that once. We don't need to do it again. Well, speaking of uh, walking into a fire, uh, Moth into Flame. Um, I, I actually, I, I'm indifferent to it. I, I like the song. It's a little bit, um, I don't want to say slower, but it's a slower tempo. Um, I loved it on the stadium run with the dancing fire in front of um, Lars. Right. Um, but I, I do like the incorporation of, um, well, what is it they're doing? Uh, um, oh, don't they do, don't they do, oh, the, uh, the drones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, th- thank you. Um, yeah. The incorporation of the drones, it's, uh, I, I like it. They've done a good job with it. And it's kind of, uh, you kind of, Take a step back because Fuel is a high energy in your face song, and Moth kind of slows it down a little and say, "Okay, we're gonna slow it down." Because then they have a couple of few long songs towards the longer songs towards the end, right? And Moth is a good transition to get you warmed up for the last third of the set list, right? Exactly, and like I feel like kind of after like you know slot eleven and, and you know Moth and the Flame has kind of lived in slot twelve for a while. The, yep. la- the last six songs don't really ever change with the exception of the first encore song, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, next we have, you know, these last three of the main set have kind of been staples on this arena tour with Sabbath True One and Puppets. Um, anything notable in, in these three songs that uh, maybe was any different than you, when you've seen them before or something that stood out to you? Um, uh, no, I, I can touch a little bit on all three of them uh, real quick. Uh, thing that stands out about uh, sad but true. There's a couple of lines in the lyrics towards the end that are really strong. I love, but I I always like sad but uh, sad but true. Uh, but true, because I and ironically I ended up hearing this on your one of your earlier podcasts. Okay, and I had to bring it home and play it for my wife because she had said those exact words to me before she met me. She really wasn't a big fan of Metallica. She knew who they were, but obviously she wasn't as knee deep into it as I am. Right. But she, she actually holds it against me because I tell her what the correct lyrics are. And she <laughs> thought they were saying uh, sad patrol. Oh, that's right. <laughs> sad and I patrol. remember you guys, somebody brought it up in reference to a, a girlfriend or a wife or ex-wife. Right. Yeah. And I get home and, and play for my wife. Cause I'm like that's exactly what she had said to me. Not too uh, too much other than that. <laughs> Sad so always, patrol. Whenever they, whenever they start it, it always puts a little smile on my face. That would be a good name for a Metallica cover band. Sad patrol. Yes, it would. I'm sure there's one in the works as we speak. <laughs> there is. Yeah. All right. Well, we coined it here first, so you need, you need to give me and Nick some some dough on that one. Um, that's right. So uh, and then, go ahead. Sorry. 
and then with one, um, I'm kind of disappointed they've taken out that huge pyro intro. Um, the well, intro is not as strong as it used to be, but think, still pretty good. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think uh, you know, <clears throat> logistically, it's a little harder to do that one they did on the stadium run in the arena because um, there's so many uh, extra things you know going off, fireworks and stuff like that. So. You know, I, I think the fire marshal wouldn't approve of the stadium pyro for one in the arenas. Yeah, you bring up a good point there. I mean, that that that's I mean that's that's my best guess as to as to you know as to why they're not doing such a huge intro to that intro to that uh, with the pyro and stuff like that. Um, that makes sense. That, that sounds logical. Yeah, I mean, if I'm incorrect, you know, hey Hetfield, give me a call. Let me know the truth. <laughs> um, so. Closing out the main set, of course, the, the staple, the song they're never not going to play, Master of Puppets. Yep. Um, uh, Puppets is great. I love that they put the full version back into the set list. Me too. And not just do a, a segment or whatever, like in the past. And actually, I like at the end, they kind of do a, a breakdown when um, James kind of asked the crowd um, if we've had a good time, if we enjoyed it or whatever. Uh, you'll notice it when we go when uh, you guys see the show in Nashville and Birmingham. I'm gonna yell. Um, I'm gonna yell. Yes, I did. <laughs> did you have a good time? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was all right. It was okay. <laughs> That's cool, man. So, uh, the the coming out uh, out of the main set. Do you have anything else to say about the main the the main set or the end here before we go to the encore? No. Um, the. Uh, again, it, it was a very strong, a uh, little bit of a safe set list, uh, especially for the, the main portion of the set list. But, I mean, it's Las Vegas. It's the first night of a new leg of the tour. So uh, it's still, for four guys in their mid to late 50s, it, it's, it was definitely good. Awesome. You know? Great, man. Sure. Well, so uh, we did start to see the evolution of, of the first encore slot change a little bit. It's been spit out the bone ever since the in the round tour in Europe. Um, and then we started to see on the last leg or two, them doing like battery, um, you know, throwing, throwing stuff like that in there, uh, which they, you know, hadn't done for most of this, this album cycle. They were doing it on the stadium tour. Like, you know, I got to see battery uh, or blackened. Um, but so spit out the bone is back in the set. Yeah. Um, I, I like it. I don't think it translate too well live. Um, it's kind of a, a little choppier of a song and not as smooth as the other songs they're playing from right. Hardwire. Um, I, I noticed uh, kind of what you said uh, between the Philly, Buffalo, and Albany show. I believe the first night we got spit out the bone, and then the next night we had gotten battery, and then the third night we got something else in there. So they kind of they seem to be doing it once in a while and not every night. So. Yeah. I, I wonder if they're going to start rotating this out again. Cause I mean, there was a, I mean, a number of legs in a row or a number of shows in a row where it spit out the bone was just staying there. And I thought it would be there till the end. And then they started switching it up. So maybe they'll start rotating it out. Who knows? Yeah. I guess only time will tell, huh? Exactly. Um, so the two staples, they always close with nothing else matters in a Sandman. Um, anything notable here towards the end? Um, well, with nothing else matters again, that song really, um, it sets off a, a, a good feeling for me. It was my wife and I's, uh, our first dance at our wedding. Really? So interesting. I, I feel, 
I feel like every night that I see this tour, um, she don't travel with me to the shows, but I feel like every night when I go see them and I hear the song, it's like she's right there next to me. So it, it's kind of like a, a good memory for me. Oh, you know, man. That, well, that's very like sweet. Right. I think I think next time you go to a show, just grab the person next to you and start slow dancing. Yeah, most of the time they're guys, so I don't know how much they're going to appreciate hey, that. Hey, man, maybe that dude has the similar story and they, they just want someone to dance with. You, you never know very, until you try. That's right. That's right. You got a good <laughs> Um, so Sandman closing it out. I mean, this it's a staple. I mean, some people often say it's overplayed, whatever. I still love this song. It still has power. This is the song that kind of catapulted them into superstardom. And, you know, I, I would love to see it somewhere else on the set just for fun. But I, I, you're going to close I'd with like it, whatever. To, actually, I'd like to see it back in the beginning like it was back in the Black Album days when they opened the show. Right. Uh, that'd be kind of cool again to see that. Uh, but Sandman just, it pops, you know, it's like you said, everyone knows it. Um, I, I'm 74 uh, shows uh, into this and it's still, it's a good sing along. It gets me going. Um, yeah, it would be nice if we got something else in there once in a while. Right. But it's a staple and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. No, it's definitely not. I mean, there's. There's there's not a show they're going to do where they're not going to play this song unless it's like a specific thing where you know they're doing like two songs on a TV show or something. But any Metallica concert, this is going to be in the set. Everyone knows this. So if you don't like yep. the song, just don't even talk about it because it's going to be there. You have no choice in the matter. That's right. So they do the little the little Freight Ends of Sanity outro after this, which always gets – when they first started doing that, got people really stoked like, oh, they're actually going to play this? But just a little teaser at the end of the night before they come out and you know greet the crowd. Yep. So yeah, that that's the set list. I mean, so the the dudes come out like like we talked about earlier. They they each say a couple things. Yeah, they all um, they all kind of have a turn at the mic. Um, Rob does his thing. Uh, or James actually starts and thanks everybody, and then Rob does his thing, and Kirk has a word or two to say, and then like you said earlier, um, when Lars takes over, he kind of brings up. You know, when we rolled into town X amount of years ago and played this small venue that doesn't exist anymore, how many of you guys were here? How many of you were even born? Right, that, yeah. <laughs> it's all uh, skit there, but um, it, it's it's always bittersweet because that's, that's the end, and you're like, okay, what's the next show? When do we do this again? Yeah. But it's it, it's... I don't know. It puts a smile on your face. You know, you've been through it with you and your closest 20,000 friends and yep. um, the guys need to get home. They need to get some rest, get to bed and you need to get to go on to the next city and get ready to do it all over again. That's so right. I, I love how, I love how they kind of say good night is not goodbye, but um, until next time type of thing. Yeah, absolutely, man. And we know that, you know, if, if, if they've got the energy and they've got the drive that, you know, they're going to be still around for a while. Yep. For sure. Awesome, man. Well, Nick, I can't thank you enough for being a part of metal tales from the road. I know everyone listening is grateful to hear your, your recap of the show for those that couldn't be in Las Vegas. And uh, we really appreciate you listening, being a part of this episode and uh, sharing your story, man. Thank you. Thank you, and uh, I uh, appreciate the opportunity to do this, and I hope that I get to talk to both of you guys in the future about something else, and 
if not at Nashville, hopefully I get to run into you guys on the road sometimes. You need to come down and visit uh, Dallas Fort Worth sometime. Yeah, man. Hey, you, you know, anytime we're uh, we're we're, tra- we're traveling or, or playing a city, you know, we'll we'll mention it on the show. So uh, hopefully Dallas is uh, hopefully on the calendar for me next year. Well, I don't know what I'm doing next year for touring, but I could be there. You never know, man. And uh, yeah, and we'd love to maybe have you on the show in in, in future months talking about the uh, the 30th anniversary shows. Oh, for sure. You you guys should do a, a review of that with four different nights. You could uh, grab four different people who were there. Yeah, man, that'd be really fun. Um, well, cool, man. Well, thanks again. And uh, you, uh, I know you got to work tomorrow, and and so you get some rest. And uh, much love to the wife. Go put on nothing else matters and slow dance. And uh, whatever happens after that is none of my business. <laughs> All right. Thanks. You have a good one. Uh, you too, man. Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon. That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to Cover Our World Blackened which is the official Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica cover EP. That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon-exclusive merchandise, Patreon-exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects Ethan and I might be involved in. There's all sorts of things you can look at on there and you can donate to. Go check it out, patreon.com slash Podcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. And if you really think about it, $5 a month for an entire year, that's really just like a cup of coffee a month. So go check it out. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Adios.